Happy Friday, everyone, and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Frarian Smith Podcast. Week one was a banner weekend for the New Look Sun Belt. It featured shootouts, upsets, and lots of league victories. Week two, though, is now upon us with a bevy of tough out-of-conference matchups on the schedule. Caden, what are you expecting in this final weekend before conference play kicks off? I'm expecting big things from the Sunboat per usual. I think obviously we saw some some lopsided matchups. I think we're going to see more of those this week, whether that's in the favor of some of the Sunbelt teams, whether it's not in favor of some of the Sunbelt teams, but just another week of these teams to really figure out who they are. Obviously, week one's a big look in the mirror moment for a lot of teams, especially after some tough wins and some tough losses. And I think teams are really going to try to establish that identity that they want for their team going forward this season. Well, let's not waste any more time. We've got four great matchups to talk about today. Caden, what do you say? Time to talk some football? Let's get right into it, man. You know I like to talk ball. Well, I think we'll go ahead and start with perhaps one of the games that I think maybe could go either way this weekend, but we'll get started with the game that's going to air on ESPNU at noon on Saturday. It's Georgia State versus UNC, and you know we talked about UNC last weekend, and for the second straight weekend, they're playing a Sun Belt team on the road, this time down in Atlanta. It's going to be the first time that Georgia State has ever hosted a Power 5 game at home as a program, they're playing back-to-back Power 5 opponents coming off that 35-14 to loss last week against South Carolina. I think this is going to be a great game. And one of the things I'm looking at in this game, Caden, is that vaunted running attack from Georgia State. And I, the reason I bring that up is I think they have an ability to play keep away a little bit in this game. And we've seen the numbers that UNC quarterback Drake May is putting up, historic numbers at that. You know, with Georgia State, you look at Jemias Williams, Tucker Gregg, Marcus Carroll, and then quarterback Darren Granger's got wheels. They put up 209 yards last game. They're averaging, you know, 226 yards per game last season, which was eighth in the NCAA. I think that rushing attack really needs to show up in this game. No, 100%. I think that's really been a staple of Georgia State for the last couple of years. They've definitely proven they can run the ball on Power 5 teams, especially if you look at some of their past matchups. And I think the biggest thing that stood out to me from their first game was, was special teams. We obviously don't like to talk about special teams a ton, but that was just one of the most important things. And you saw it a lot week one, obviously, a lot of block kicks and mistakes. But the Georgia State defense, they hold up. They're a really good unit. They had South Carolina in situations where they had to kick big 50-plus yard field goals. And as a defense, you'll take that. But then when you get two scores off of blocked punts, that's just unacceptable. That's 14 points off of the board on those plays for them. And then you're looking at a 14-21 to 21 ball game, which is a closer game. They might be able to sneak a win in there at the end. But the good news with special teams, those are easy fixes. I mean, those are normally just effort problems, attention to detail. I know the, their coaches are definitely coaching them up this week hard on that. So I think if they bring that to the table and they bring that rushing attack that they always bring in that hard hat defense, it's definitely going to be a closer game than many probably expect. Well, I know you love to give love to the DBs whenever you can. And, you know, you look in this game and Quavion White and really that secondary, they looked pretty good against South Carolina. They picked off Spencer Rattler twice in that game. And Quavion White had both of those picks. He tied the Georgia State career record. So I think he's a player to watch in this game. 100%. Like we've, when we played him at App State, man, he, we always, he was always a highlight player. He was always at the top of the scouting report. And he played another big game in another, in another, way he always does. I think that with him, he's someone you have to be on your P's and Q's with. If you throw the ball, any type of tip ball in his direction, if it's a little bit off target, he's going to make you pay for that every time. And he usually makes you pay with his legs too, which is uh, South Carolina got lucky with that because a lot of the times he takes him to the house or at least gets some yards back. But Antavius Lane back there too is a great player, a hard hitting safety. He's always around the ball and they got good pressure. I think they didn't really let Spencer Rattler get comfortable in that pocket. And that's going to be huge. They never really, he never really got rolling. He never really got to get his his flow going. But I think if they can do that to Drake May, because we saw what he did with his improv, improv skills against 
App State. I think if they can make him uncomfortable and put him in similar situations, they'll they'll have a good day on the defensive side for sure. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things to watch in this game, too, is North Carolina's defense has been porous with a capital P to begin this year. 649 yards allowed against App State last Saturday, and across their first two games this year, they're averaging nearly 500 yards allowed per game. Something's got to change, and you know, you look last weekend, App, you know, obviously we had Chase Bryce on the podcast on Wednesday, but in that game, App rushed for 288 yards. I'll say it again, 288 yards. So I think that's going to play really big. And there's a lot of question marks for UNC on defense. No, 100%. If you're UNC's defense right now, you're, you're, you're going into this game. You're basically an honorary Sunbelt team at this point, having to go against another opponent. And you're thinking, oh, man, I just I hope we don't get gashed again. I hope we don't get exposed like that again. And the good thing for Georgia State is they have a lot of good film to watch. They can see what other teams did effectively against UNC's defense maybe throw some of those in the playbook, have some new plays this week. And I think it's going to be huge. And I think if you really look at Georgia State historically, that quarterback position, I think, is really what's been holding them back from getting over the hump. They haven't really gotten consistent quarterback play in the last couple of years. Darren Granger in that USC game, 7 for 29. That's just not that's just not going to cut it against a Power 5 team, especially through one touchdown, one interception. Only three receivers caught balls in that game. So I think if you're the, UN, if you're the um, Georgia State coaching staff, sorry, and you look at last week's game, looking at this week's game, got to look and see what, can make him play better, some easier access throws. Maybe he looked like he was throwing a lot better on the run to rip a couple pages out of the playbooks that worked against UNC defense and really try to get this offense going because you know what your defense is going to be. You know what that run game even is going to be, but you need him to play well if you want to win this game for sure. App last week, five tackles for loss, three sacks, along with three QB hits on Drake May. Georgia State has to get pressure on the UNC quarterback in this one. I'm calling him marvelous Drake May at this point because he threw for four touchdowns against App State. He's got a school record nine touchdowns through his first two career games. I think one thing that might be interesting, obviously we saw it last weekend, is Downs was out last weekend against App State. I was reading today he is questionable in this matchup. You know, he's a possible Bolitnikoff finalist this year. So obviously Georgia State has to have their fingers crossed. They'd love to have not have him in the lineup, but it didn't seem to matter last weekend for Drake May. He was slinging it all over the yard. No, they you you wouldn't if you put Josh Downs in another person's jersey in the UNC game last week, you would have probably not even noticed that he wasn't out there. So I think Georgia State, they can't bank on that. Obviously, they're not going to game plan as if he's not playing. They're probably game planning, hoping for the worst and wishing for the best in their scenario, I guess, and hoping that he's not playing. But I think for them, they just have to do what they always do on the defensive side of the ball. I think they're going to be keyed into him if he's out there. And if they're not, they can play a little bit more freely, maybe not have to roll as much coverage to him. But I'm definitely excited to see these DBs play against these UNC receivers because I think the App State DBs matched up against what the um, the UNC guys. It was it seemed like a little bit of a mismatch at times. But I think Georgia State proved last week that they can stand toe-to-toe with those guys. Here's a quick stat to know about this matchup, and then I'll get a quick key from you for this game and what Georgia State would need to do to win, and then we'll move on. Georgia State, they held South Carolina to just 79 yards rushing last Saturday, and they've done that to four straight opponents, holding them under 100 yards during a game. Over the last four games, Georgia State, they're averaging, they're giving up just 52 rushing yards per game. Uh, and about 2.5 yards per carry. I think the running game is going to be interesting in this one. Can they keep those young, talented running backs for Georgia, or uh, sorry, North Carolina down in this one? So that's something, you know, kind of a good stat to keep in mind as you watch this game. What's a key for Georgia State if they want to beat North Carolina at home? 
I think the key for the game for me is always, it's just going to come down to that quarterback play like I talked about before. You need elite play from Darren Granger. He needs to play the game of his life in this one if they want to win. Like I said before, the defense proved that they can play in these big games. The running game proved they can play in these games. Even the O-line really creating plays and creating time for him. And I think if you look back historically at their matchups, they went to Auburn last year, had a 10-point loss. He only threw 12 completions in that game, and they still stayed in it because he threw two touchdowns, and then he obviously had a pick six at the end of desperation. And even if you look at 2019 and their Power 5 upset over Tennessee, Ellington in that game, he only completed 12 passes, but two were touchdowns, no interceptions. And like you said, that run game had 240 yards. It's really a game like nothing I've ever seen. It's really like a a run game type shootout, but they're going to need big play out of him. The game, I don't hate to say the game is on his shoulders, but just compared to what you've seen from the rest of that team, it's on him because everyone else kind of shows up to these games and the quarterback position is really what's going to take them to that next level if they want to consistently compete and beat these Power 5 teams going forward. Well, it'll certainly be interesting. Georgia State, North Carolina, that game to air on ESPNU at noon on Saturday. Make sure you tune in. You always you know, love to show support when those games are on linear television. I think that's huge for the Sun Belt and really the viewership needs to continue to tick up so that ESPN wants to put more games on linear. So if you're a Sunbelt fan in general, tune into that game. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Let's move on to another game. It's going to be on the road, South Alabama taking on Central Michigan. This game's going to air at 1 p.m. on Saturday. It'll be on ESPN+, Plus, so you will need a paid subscription to watch this one. But you talked about the quarterback play for Georgia State a moment ago. Darren Granger, looking at South Alabama, what a strong debut it was for transfer Carter Bradley. He goes 17 for 25, threw for 260 yards, three touchdowns in that game and he's now going up against a central Michigan defense last year that was 112th out of 131 teams a season ago in terms of passing yards giving given up per game they lost their their leading five tacklers from last season so I think there's an opportunity here for South Alabama quarterback Carter Bradley to really build on a strong week one these are my boys. This is who I picked going into the season to come out the West. They obviously had a strong showing in week one. And granted, it was against a Nichols State team. So you got to take it with a grain of salt. But it's obviously great for that offense and great for Carter moving forward as far as momentum goes. Yeah, like you, you like you mentioned, he had those three touchdowns. Left one out on the ground, though, even punched one in in the red zone in that game. Hit Jalen Wayne twice. And I said before, that's going to be the new duo. Last year, they had... Jalen Tolbert and Jake Bentley is that duo. And I really think Carter Bradley and Jalen Wayne are going to be that duo this week. He hit him in the end zone, like I said, for two touchdowns. And I think if you look at the the defense they're playing this week, they were a revolving door last week. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma State's a great team. And if you want to just watch a clinic of how to play quarterback, Spencer Sanders cut that film on and he was he was tearing them to shreds. He was killing them with his legs, killing them with his arm, accurate passes, making guys miss. So obviously, I don't expect South, South um, Alabama to go on an offensive hot streak like that. But I definitely think they have a lot to be excited about going into this game on the offensive end. Yeah, you mentioned Tolbert. He gets drafted into the NFL last year, and I think the question was who would replace him. Jalen Wayne stepped up in a big way in week one. Again, it was against Nichols State, but I was just impressed with the South Alabama offense. I'm not ready to give them the coronation of that team who wins the West like you've already done, but they certainly impressed me in week one. Jalen Wayne, 98 yards receiving those two touchdowns. He also will be playing for a little bit of personal, you know, record here in this game. He's just three receptions away from 100 for his career. So I would expect to see Carter Bradley and Jalen Wayne play really well in this game, Caden. 
No, they're going to have to keep that connection going. He obviously, he had three catches in that game. Two of them were touchdowns were big, but hopefully in this one, I think they're hoping to see more volume out of that connection, get get them a couple more balls, get them going. You did, the, the team they're playing, Central Michigan, they had a terrible tackling day. So I think maybe look for them to throw some short passes, let their guys get busy, make some guys miss, get some yards after the catch. So I'm super excited about this matchup for them. I think what's interesting with South Alabama is Kane Womack, obviously in his second season as the head coach, I finally feel like, Maybe he has his guys on defense. Like he's a defensive minded head coach and they opened the season. They gave up 165 yards of total offense. Like that's nothing. I could probably pick that up, but they give up just 59 yards of rushing. I I, I don't really know if I could pick that up. I'm just going to say that though. But Quentin Wilfon had a big game. Daryl Luter, the cornerback in, in Keith Galman. I think, you know, they're going to be big players. They didn't record a sack in that game, but here's an interesting stat to know. Nickel State, they failed to cross the 50-yard line until five minutes left in the third quarter. That's defensive domination right there. South Alabama, they held an opponent under 200 yards for the first time in six years. I think Kane Womack has his stamp all over this defense. I was like I said before, I think he's really trying to establish that defensive identity coming in. And that's really how you build a team if you're trying to build it from a ground up from a team that's like South Alabama, who really was only getting a couple wins a year before he showed up. But I think if you look at the score that Central Michigan had last year, you might be a little or last game. Sorry, you might be a little scared because they put up 44 points. But I think the stat line, the box score is very deceiving. They were down 37 to 15 at half and they were just playing a brand of football in the second half where they could just throw the ball at will trying to play comeback football. They scored a couple, a couple two po- convert a couple two-point conversions at the end, had a couple touchdowns. But I think the brand of ball they played in that game in the second half especially padded those stats as far as what they got to do in off- as an offense. And I don't think they're going to be able to necessarily play that type of style against South Alabama. So I think they watched the film and they were like, you know what? They did some good stuff in the second half, but it was very clear that Oklahoma State kind of took off the gas a little bit towards the end. So I'm excited to watch this defense go up against offense who showed they can score, but I think the circumstances will be a lot different this week. Yeah, if you're watching this game, there's really, you know, two main players, I think, to watch out for for Central Michigan. One, the quarterback, Daniel Richardson. He threw for a career-high 424 yards against Oklahoma State over the weekend, tied his career-high with four touchdowns. Caden, get this 74% completion percentage. That's pretty good in that game. And then, you know, you're looking out for Lou Nichols. He he led the NCAA in rushing yards last year. He rushed for over 1,800 yards. They had 152 yards uh, on the ground on that game. And the reason I bring that up is Oklahoma State, They last season, they were the fifth-ranked rushing defense in the nation. They gave up just over 87 yards per game. That's not a lot. So I think those two players could have a big game, perhaps for Central Michigan. They're going to need them if they want to take down South Alabama. No, it's going to be a game. If it, if it ends up being close, like I think this game will be, it's going to come down to those big players playing in those big moments. They're going to have to make the receivers going to have to catch 50 50 balls. The defensive lineman's going to have to strain a little bit harder towards the end of the game and get in that backfield if they want to get a sack. I mean, they didn't sack Central Michigan didn't sack Spencer Sanders at all until the second half. So I think it's going to be the big players that you the names you hear on South Alabama stepping up to the moment, playing big if they want to win this game. Because I don't think it's going to be a a blowout by any means. So that's really when you're going to bank on your big players playing best. Well, I think that's going to be a good game. I mean, obviously, we've talked about the first two here. So let's move on to that third game that, you know, we've chosen to spotlight today. And that's a team that I think really surprised us in week one, really played well. Old Dominion, they're going to go on the road to play an East Carolina team that, let's be honest, they should have beat NC State. On Saturday, they kind of coughed it up, a missed extra point, and then a missed field goal as time expired. So I think they're certainly going to have a lot to play for. This game's going to air at 6 p.m. on ESPN+. And, you know, here's my key for this game. 
you remember the movie Twilight when we grew up and it was about werewolves and <laughs> you know all of that. And here's my thing. Old Dominion, they need a werewolf. And by werewolf, I need Hayden Wolf to show up after dark in this game. He completed just 40% of his passes in week one against Virginia Tech. Somehow they still squeaked out the victory. That defense was a big reason why. He didn't have a passing touchdown. Here's what I found interesting about Wolf. He's been really consistent throughout his career throwing the football. He's been over 60% completion percentage in eight of his last 10 appearances. They need him to have a rebound performance here against ECU. No, 100%. And it's definitely a little bit on him, but I think it's really on the whole, whole entire offense. They just all need to pick it up. You need to do better than 14 for 35 passing and 165 yards and no touchdowns. I mean, your O-line had your back. They only sacked you one time. So, I mean, he had the time to do what he had to do, but they just weren't making it happen. Not a lot of big plays until the end when they were scrapping back in it. Same with the running backs, though. They got to do better. As a unit, 33 carries, 84 yards, 2.5 yards a carry. You just got to do better than that if you want to win games. And then the receivers, they have to get open and they have to catch some 50-50 balls because the ECU receivers, if you watched last week, they they made some plays in that game that kept them in that NC State game. I mean, they caught their 50-50 balls. They made guys miss. So it's going to really be on this offense this week not to rely on their defense as much like last week. Yeah, they really had to rely on that defense last week. Carter Wells, the transfer for Virginia Tech. I think he set out a Thanksgiving-type table because the DBs were feasting in the back. They In that game, ODU forces five turnovers, four interceptions, and that big fumble recovery on that botched field goal. It tied a school record that was set back in 2016 against Southern Miss. Terry Jones, Ryan Henry, James LaMarion, Tobias Harris, they each had a pick, and then you know, someone that kind of flew under the radar, but he picked up conference defensive player of the year. Jason Henderson tied an ODU record 18 tackles in that game. They're going to need another strong performance on defense here today or in this game against ECU. Now, if you're watching, if you're watching the film and you're that defense at ODU, you're obviously a little banged up from that absolute dogfight you were in the week before. But then you look at a team and they're also in a dogfight the week before. So I think you saw what NC State could do effectively. They held them down pretty well toward, up until towards the end. But I think, like I told you before, you can steal some pages out of those books. You can see what they did because ECU, they let it all out there. I mean, they opened up their whole playbook. They were playing to win that game. So I don't think there's going to be too many surprises for this ODU defense. They'll come into this game a little bit more prepared than they were for that week one matchup against Virginia Tech. And I know they're excited to get after it, especially coming off of that momentum from last week. Yeah, and meanwhile for ECU, I mean, they've got to use a phrase that I know that gets thrown around the football field all the time. They've got an old head at quarterback in Holton Aylers. He's in his sixth year at ECU. He's the all-time leader in completions in the American Athletic Conference at this point. He threw for 267 yards against NC State last weekend, a couple of touchdowns, a couple of picks in that game. I think he's a big piece and someone that is definitely going to be better prepared against this ODU defense than it appeared Carter Wells was. Yeah, he we played him. I didn't get to play in that game, but we opened up against them last year and we watched the film on him, had a game plan of him. He's that left-handed quarterback, big body, runs around the yard, is, is kind of a gunslinger type quarterback. And obviously when you watch the film, it doesn't scare you as much. But then when you get in those close games and guys like that start getting hot, it's definitely something to be worried about. So I know that ODU offense watched that film. They obviously saw some things that they knew they could take it. They know they can take advantage of in this game. They know they're going to be able to get their hands on the ball a little bit, but they also saw some dangerous plays and what happens if he, you do let him get out the pocket, extend and throw it to some of those big receiving targets. So I think ODU is going to be up for the challenge on this one. And it's going to be just another great game. I think both of these teams played in great games week one, and we're going to see another one again in week two. Okay. And I have to admit, I'm a little bit disappointed. Every time we have one of these games that shows up on the schedule, I look and I'm like, did app play them? And every time they did, you know, App plays well. And I'm like, well, I'm going to ask Caden how he played in that game. And he always misses these games. So 
one of these days, I think there's going to be an opponent that you actually played against. I'm really starting to question how many games you actually played for App in your career. Listen, listen, man. I obviously I had a little injury riddle career. If anyone, if anyone knows me, I, I I got on the operating table a couple more times than I wanted to be, but I did miss the first four games of last season. Missed a couple when you were referencing Wake Forest before. But once we get into Sunbelt Conference play, I can tell you all about those teams. It's it's the non-conference ones I miss. I, I always made the most important games. I always made it to those Sunbelt games. I like it. So a couple more things about this game. I thought, you know, last weekend, ECU, they did a really nice job of keeping their penalties down, just two penalties for 20 yards last weekend against NC State. Meanwhile, in that ODU Virginia Tech game last weekend, Virginia Tech really hurt themselves, 15 penalties, 106 yards. So I think that was an advantage for Old Dominion last weekend. It's probably not going to be there this weekend. ECU plays a pretty clean uh, brand of football. I thought ECU last weekend too against NC State, they're really one in the trenches. They've got a strong O-line that brings back three starters and you know some good transfers there. They ran for 116 yards against NC State, which is a top 20 nationally ranked team in, ter- in that category. Uh, so those are going to be some you know kind of interesting things. And you know one final thing I think for Old Dominion, we saw how important the kicking game was last weekend between NC State and you know ECU. Well, Old Dominion, their kicker, freshman Ethan Sanchez, had a good week. He went two of two, and he could play a major factor in what could potentially be another tight game. No, kickers kickers matter, man. I'm going to talk about special teams in the kicking game as much as I can because I was a special teams player during my career and had to do that for the first couple of years of my career. But in those close games, it's definitely big on a kicker. But I think, obviously, we talked about before, the key to the game is going to be this offense starting fast. You cannot rely on their defense to bail them out this week or their kicker to bail them out, quite frankly. So they got to come out swinging and not wait to the last round to throw that knockout punch like they did before. And I think ODU might be able to take care of business in this one. Well, let's go ahead and move on to the third game that we planned on talking about today. And it was, you know, it's Louisiana versus Eastern Michigan. This game is going to air on NFL Network. It's 7 p.m., a nationally televised game at home for Louisiana. There's expected to be some weather again. I really felt like Louisiana was one of te- one of two teams that really kind of disappointed me in week one. They're my pick to win that West Division. I felt like Texas State should have done better against Nevada. We haven't really touched on that yet. We're not going to today. Uh, but Louisiana, they didn't look very good. Obviously, I think the weather played a major factor. It was, you know, it was an ugly type weather game in that one. Um, But really the big question mark, and we've talked about it already, and part of the reason why you're taking South Alabama was Levi Lewis is gone. This man knew this offense like the back of his hand, and now you turn the keys over to redshirt sophomore Chandler Fields. He's in his fourth year in this offense, but he threw 13-20, 65% completion, 173 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Here's the big thing I noticed. Last year, Levi Lewis, he was a top-four rusher on that team, and in that first game of the year, the you know the quarterback Chandler Fields he rushed for negative five yards so that has to play a big role Louisiana only put up 17 points on offense in this game so I think they really need to see improvement from Chandler Fields going into week two now it's like we talked about going to the season that's why I was a little bit more down on ULL this season because they lost so much and they lost such a dynamic player in Levi Lewis who is easily one of the best quarterbacks in the conference consistently year in and year out once he figured out that offense but it's not obviously the start you want if you're ULL if you're a conference champ coming back you're happy that you got the win, but you're not necessarily happy about how you got the win. You mentioned it before. In the first half, they were up 17-0, to but that was from one touchdown pass, which before that, they had a, a fumble recovery that they thankfully got back on because they lost the football. Ended up scoring on that drive. It was kind of a mismatch to their giant tight end versus like probably the, the smallest southeastern Louisiana DB out there. But then they get a field goal, and they just return a punt for a touchdown, an amazing play by, by Gar. But I think the offense... 
didn't come out swinging in that game. The defense did what they had to do. And then in the second half, they, they kind of got things going a little bit better, but it still wasn't obviously the performance you'd want as a defending conference champion against a, competi- a, a team like Southeastern Louisiana. To me, Louisiana has to come in, and in the first couple plays of this game, they have to rush the football. This is an Eastern Michigan team last year, 113th in terms of rushing yards per game allowed. There was only 131 teams in Division I last season. So to me, Terrence Williams, who had 61 yards, and Chris Smith, who had 44 in that first game of the year, I really need to see them have a big game and kind of perhaps maybe jumpstart this Louisiana offense. Yeah, if you look at EKU last week, I mean, they played one of those weird games where like they kind of got beat. If you look at the box score, they gave up more yards on offense, but they still ended up getting that win out 42 to 34. But the team, I meant, sorry, who they play last week? Eastern Michigan played, man, you put me on the spot right there. Um, Eastern Kentucky. I was was getting my Eastern Kentucky. Kentucky. Yeah, Yeah, I was getting the Kentucky's. I was getting the Kentuckys and Michigans confused, my fault. But Eastern Kentucky against that team, they went 12 for 18 on third down, one for one on fourth down. So I think if you're the ULL offense, you have to kind of look back at yourself and your performance last week and say, okay, this is what we did last week. We got to kind of put that behind us and we can really take advantage of a team this week that obviously showed that they can't really hold up that well on the defensive side of the ball despite them getting the win. Yeah, I mean... Also, too, if you talk about defense in this game, Louisiana, they need to do a little bit better job of stopping the run, I think, against Eastern Michigan. They were fourth in the Sun Belt last year, 50th nationally in terms of stopping the run. But, you know, you lose a lot of players on that defense. They gave up 111 in the opener. Meanwhile, Eastern Michigan rushed for 124 yards and three touchdowns. So I really think this game, potentially on both sides of the ball, really going to be one in the trenches. No, 100%. ULL has always been known for the players they have in those trenches. I mean, last last year, if you look at their defensive line, it looked like the, the Rams out there at times. And up front, they kept Levi protected very, very well. So they lost some of those guys, like you mentioned before. I think if they look at last week, they're, like I talked about before, looking in the mirror, trying to figure out what time of t- type of team are we going to be? Are we going to be the team from last year that everybody was scared of or the team going into this year that people that we can strike fear into people, especially up front? And that definitely starts up front. And I, th- I think that really just goes into my key of the game for them as far as winning. They have to bring that championship swagger. They didn't play like defending conference champs last week in every facet of the game. And I think this time they should just step on the field and don't forget who they are. They're, they're, the, they're the ones with the belt. Everyone in the Sun Belt's coming for them. And right now they're kind of looking at them, looking at them like, oh, we might, have, we might be able to catch them slipping this year. So I think if they come out there with that swagger, hopefully the weather doesn't bring them down again. But if they come out there with that swagger and that confidence, I think that can take them a long way in this game because they still have a lot of the talent to do that. We've got an old friend at quarterback, too, for Eastern Michigan, Taylor Powell, who played at Missouri, and last year he was at Troy. Now he's at Eastern Michigan. Uh, he threw for 1,251 or yeah, 1,251 yards last year for Troy in game number one of the season. He was 21 for 30, 271 yards, three passing touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown. So I think he's someone that Louisiana has to be careful with. No, they do. I mean, they've they're familiar with playing – Sunbelt type quarterback. So I don't think they should be too, too scared, but he definitely showed some stuff on film that could give them problems. And they're used to practicing against a guy like Levi Lewis who can extend plays and make things happen. So they know what to expect on that end, but he's definitely the type of quarterback that you shouldn't take lightly. And kind of like we were talking about before, if you're playing in a close game and you have a quarterback that can extend plays and make stuff happen, quarterbacks like that kind of just get better in the second half, it seems like in those close games. So if they can get up early in this one, I don't think it'll be a problem, but if they keep it close, I think you should, should expect to see a lot more out of that that quarterback from Eastern Michigan going into this game. Special teams will be big in this one too. Louisiana, they returned to that punt for a touchdown last weekend against Southeastern Louisiana 
you know, perhaps they could do that again in this game. I think here's kind of my stat to know for this game. Obviously, Louisiana comes in on a nation-best 14-game winning streak, but they also have a 10-game winning streak at home, and a win in this game would tie their school record for wins at home 11 games in a row. That record set all the way back in 1976. So a little bit here to play for. And, you know, obviously, Louisiana, they've been really good at home lately, Caden. Yeah, that's a tough place to play. I mean, their crowd, as soon as they started getting better at football, there was a clear there was a clear divide of when they weren't good and when they were good. We remember going to games, and it was a huge stadium, one of the biggest stadiums in the conference, and it would be a ghost town. But as soon as they got some momentum going, as soon as they got those those fans in there, as soon as they got winning, it's a, it's one of the best home field advantages in the Sun Belt. So it's definitely a tough team to play at home. I think Eastern Michigan is going to have their work cut out for them. I know that student section is going to be right behind that bench. If they get up, they're going to start chirping in their ear a lot. So it's a game, like I said before, if Louisiana can step up to the occasion and come out swinging, I think that environment on game day, plus just the natural physicality that they can bring up front and really bring it to them, I think that's going to be a big problem for Eastern Michigan if, it, if they get up early. I have to imagine Coach D for Louisiana. He's probably doing a little bit of a rain dance trying to keep the rain away. It is in the forecast for this game. They had just, you know, a little over 15,000 fans last weekend. So I think their hope would be that the rain stays away and perhaps some more fans come out. But if they do, again, a nationally televised game on NFL Network, that game will be at 7 p.m. It's one of the final games of the day for Sunbelt Conference teams. So, you know, if you're looking for something to do on Saturday night, this one will certainly be worth tuning into. Well, we've, you know, we've looked at four games today, Caden, and I think now it comes down to kind of the final portion of this episode, and it's time to make our picks against the spread. We're going to look at the spreads in each one of these games and, you know, the over-unders, and you and me are going to kind of try to do our best at, you know, picking how these games will go. And we'll go ahead and get started with Georgia State versus North Carolina. I'll go first in this game. UNC, they come in a seven and a half point favorite. The over-under, it's almost laughable at 64 after App State and North Carolina combined for 124 points a weekend ago. So, you know, I'm taking the over in this one. There's just a hint there. But, you know, a little bit about this game. The last time UNC, they were a favorite in a game was actually all the way back November 11th, 2021. So it's almost been a full calendar year since they were actually favored in a game. And in that game, they won 58-55 over Wake Forest. Uh, Georgia State, they played South Carolina really tight for two quarters last weekend. I felt like the wheels just kind of fell off in the second half. They gave up 23 points in that second half. And I think you're perhaps going to see a similar story this weekend. I think Georgia State can really play North Carolina strong in this first half. And it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of keep that momentum, uh, you know, throughout this game. I think it's going to be close at halftime. I think, uh, you know, Drake May, he has shown the ability to pull away late. I think he's going to do it again in this game. UNC put up 63 points last weekend, and they've hit the over in five of their last six games. So I'm taking UNC to cover the spread in this game. I think it's going to be a little bit more than seven and a half points in their favor. And I'm also, like I said, I'm going to take the over just because North Carolina has been putting points up on the scoreboard. Yeah, I think if you look at that point total, I think it says a lot more about what Georgia State's bringing to the table than UNC. But I think if you look at that UNC defense, I mean, they showed the ability to give up points. So I, I would definitely take the over on this one and two. And if I'm taking the money line and I'm taking I'm taking UNC in every way you can on this one. I think they'll cover on this one. I think they'll win the game in this one. Like I talked about before, the key to the game is going to be the quarterback play at Georgia State. And I think in this matchup, it might be asking a little bit too much. And I think Drake May just looks simply too good right now. I mean, if you're him, you're a freshman, you play in your first two games and nobody's stopped you yet. So who's like, who's to say Georgia State's going to stop you? I think he's playing some unstoppable looking type ball right now. I, th- I know his confidence is definitely up there right now. And I definitely can't wait to see him get in that ACC schedule. So 
I would take UNC in this one. I think they're going to take the points. I would take the points over this on over on this as well because if it's not a close one at halftime, I think it's going to be a nasty one, one where UNC is going to continue to pile on points towards the end. Drake May, do I dare say it? Early Heisman favorite, I think, after two weeks. I mean, the ACC, I'm not going to go that far, but I just think the ACC looks like such a toss-up week in and week out, and I just can't wait to watch him play in that conference and see what he has to offer because there's obviously some quarterback talent in that conference, but I think he's making a strong case for, am I the best quarterback in this conference right now as soon as I showed up? Well, Caden, I really think we're going to disagree on this next game, so I'm interested to see how you go here. But South Alabama at Central Michigan, Central Michigan comes in as a five-point favorite in this game, over, under at 59. I'll let you go first. So, you know, you know, right, week one already. You got to take my, your my boys, right? My, they're, they're my boys. They're my baby. I'm, I'm taking care of them, and I'm going to take them. I don't know if they necessarily cover the point spread because I do think there's going to be a close game. But if we're talking money lines, I'm taking South Alabama in this one. I think the key to the game for them is going to be carrying their momentum from last week and stopping – Central Michigan's momentum from this week that they had in the second half. Central Michigan's definitely having that that speech after the game where you're like, oh, guys, you see what we can do. You see what we're capable of. You see what we put together in the second half. This is what we can be. I think South or South Alabama comes into this game and just shuts that down immediately. I think they're going to – they have something to prove this year. They heard that I pick them, obviously, to win the West of the conference, and they have something to prove in this one, and they're going to come out swinging. But I think, like I said before, that Central Michigan box score is a little bit deceiving on this line. I think the points is going to be an interesting one to watch. I don't think I have a strong enough take on the points in this one just because, obviously, South Alabama played a pretty bad team last week. And then if you look at what Central Michigan played, they played a good team, but they were able to put up points. But Central Michigan's no slouch. They're consistently good, and South Alabama's kind of trying to get to that level where they're consistently good. And I think they're coming with a little bit more to prove. So give me South Alabama as my pick to win this one. Well, I was right. We are going to disagree on this one. This is one of two games. We're going to get some action here in week two. It's a little fun belt versus maction action. Uh, you know, USA, they put up 48 points last weekend against Nickel State. It was the most that they've put up in a game since all the way back November 7th, 2015. Get this. It came against Idaho. They were a member of the Sun Belt. Wow, has the map changed since 2015. You know, meanwhile, Central Michigan, they put up 44 against number 11, Oklahoma State. I get what you're saying, but that's still a lot of points against number 11, o- Oklahoma State. Uh, they were picked third in the Big Ten, Big 12, rather. There's all these bigs. I, I never can keep them straight. But, you know, that game blew past the over. I'm not ready to buy South Alabama's offense just yet. I mean, you put up those points against Nickel State. Let's see if you can do it against a real team in this game. So, I'm taking Central Michigan to cover that five-point spread. I think it's going to be a really close game. You know, I think I'm also going to take the over in this game because I really do think it could be a high-scoring affair. If that offense for South Alabama shows up and so does Central Michigan, could we see another App State, North Carolina-type score in this game? That'd be a lot of fun to, you know, perhaps that 1 o'clock game, you know, as you start to, you know, get a little tired in the afternoon. So, you know. I'm taking Central Michigan in this one, but I also think South Alabama could very easily win this game. So certainly that one, I think, is probably the bigger toss-up of the weekend. We'll move on to Old Dominion in East Carolina. This one, Vegas really, I think, solidly thinks East Carolina is going to win this game. They're a 12.5-point favorite. Over-under really low at 51.5, and and I think that speaks to, you know, how good defensively both teams were in that first game, you know, of the season. Old Dominion gives up 17 and... You know, it was just over 20 that ECU gave up in that contest. I think one thing that's interesting, Kirk Herbstreet calling Old Dominion his top team of the week last week after they pulled off that upset over Power 5 Virginia Tech. 
The Monarchs, they've been kind they've been the underdog in eight of their last 10 games, but they've also covered the spread in six of those eight games. East Carolina, though, they really should have won last weekend against NC State. We mentioned they had an extra point to tie it and then a field goal attempt from about 40 yards to win it. They missed them both and ended up, you know, losing to NC State by one. Uh, I really think they're going to be looking for revenge at Dowdy Ficklin. And, you know, I'm taking ECU to win this game, but here's where I'm going off the rails a little bit. I'm actually taking Old Dominion to cover the spread in this game. That means they're not going to win, but I do think this game could be closer than 12 and a half points. Um, you know, neither team hit the over last week. And because of that, again, I'm taking the under in what I think could be a defensive battle. I actually agree with both of those takes. You might think they're off the rails, but I, I like both of those takes. I think if you look at last week, it was obviously a defensive of matchup, but I think this week will be a lot different. I think each team comes into this week with such different energy. If you're ECU, you look at your game last week and you feel like you lost that game. Like you feel like y'all simply played up to the competition of NC State and you let yourselves down. Versus I think Old Dominion feels more like we stole that game. We were in it. We stayed in it. We stayed penalty free. We kept the points down on the other side of the ball. We forced some, t- first forced some turnovers. And then we stole that game. So I think the momentum is just going to be different for both teams. And I just think that if you look at ODU last week, I just don't think they're going to fix what they did last week as far as their offense goes overnight. Uh, ECU... They showed that they can make big plays. I think they will be able to. I'm not going to say they are a better offense than Virginia Tech necessarily, but I think that they showed that they can make plays against big time teams. So I think I like what you're saying. I'm going to pick ECU to win this game just because I think they showed a higher level of play before. But I like your picks. Like I said, with the with the the minus 12 and a half, I think it's going to be closer than people think. And I think the points could 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 make something shake too. I think 50 is almost disrespectfully low. I think both of these teams could put up 25 very easily. Okay, and I don't know if we're allowed to use the terminology group of five anymore. I've heard some rumblings around college football that that might become obsolete pretty soon. But, you know, another interesting kind of thing in this too, group of five matchup here, you've got Sunbelt versus American Athletic Conference. And those are two of the teams kind of jockeying for, I think, that sixth best conference, you know, mantra in the country. So I think that's something to watch out for in this game as well. So a lot to play for. We'll see what happens in that one. Last game that we previewed and that we're going to make a pick for is that Louisiana versus Eastern Michigan game. Uh, Louisiana comes as, comes in as an 11 and a half point favorite with an over under of 56 and a half in this game. Uh, we mentioned a few moments ago, Louisiana enters this game with the nation's longest winning streak at 14 games. But they're coming off that lackluster 24-7 win over Southeastern Louisiana in a, you know, kind of an ugly game with rain, more so because of the rain, I'm kind of saying ugly, but it just wasn't great weather. Uh, Eastern Michigan, they put up 42 points against FCS Eastern Kentucky uh, last weekend. Uh, But to me, despite those question marks on offense, I'm going to take Louisiana to cover the spread in this one, 11 and a half. I think Louisiana is probably going to have a bounce back type game on offense. And I, I'm just not sold on Eastern Michigan. So give me Louisiana in this game covering the spread at 11 and a half. Um, they're going to be playing on network television. Although you expect some bad weather, I think you're going to see more fans there. Because of that weather, I'm going to take the easy pick here. And I'm going to say we're going under 56 and a half. I like what you're saying again, Noah. I think ULL's playing in a little bit of a prove it game. They didn't like what they did last week. And I think this week they're going to go for it. I think they're going to come out swinging. I think it's a it's a big game for them to prove that they're still about that championship pedigree. And they still are about it. I think they still have it in their blood. They still have it in their DNA. And if you look at EMU, 
They were a 500 team last year, went seven and six. They got blown out by Texas State, who we're all familiar with, and ULL is very familiar with. And then they got blown out by Liberty in their bowl game as well. And I think ULL is closer to those teams than than the team they played last week. So I would take ULL in a prove it game to go over on on the um over on the 11 and a half spread to cover. And I think they'll go over on the points too. Honestly, I think. 56, I think they're going to, they're, they're, they might run up the score on this one if they get up just because they feel like they have to make a statement in this. So I would take the points over on this one as well, despite what the weather might say. That's it for the pot today. We cannot thank y'all enough for listening to this, whether it's on Apple, whether it's on Spotify, we appreciate the listen. Give us a like, give us a subscribe, give us a review, whatever you can give us. And if you missed our episode before with App State quarterback Chase Bryce, we highly recommend checking out that out too because it was obviously a great episode and we can't thank you enough for the great feedback we got. So that's all for us today. We'll see you with our recap. See you guys. 